It's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe Calling. A very good day, everybody, and our date is checked at the 3rd of November, 2022. So our weather today, very, very nice. I've got to say, uh, although it got a bit cloudy (laughs) because it's been so hot at times, it is quite nice to have a little bit of uh, cloud and a bit less heat. So for me, a good day. Let me uh, get uh, over the the mountains around about uh, three quarters of an hour away. We'll find out. Can Terry say the same? So good afternoon to you, Terry. And what's your weather been like? It's been, uh, been very nice today, as it happens. Yeah, it's, I didn't know what to put on this morning, but it was quite warm. Uh, but we had a bit of rain last uh, hour or something, a bit drizzle, a bit drizzly. Mm. Now we've got our dark nights because of the, the hour going back. But uh, a very pleasant day, very, very, very unseasonal. And uh, I think for another week, the weather's going to keep the same. And then after that, I'd imagine it will start dropping, the temperatures will start dropping back to our usual autumn temperatures at the moment is still well, it's 25 today um crazy temperatures right here we go then so uh, let's see what we got for you this week okay i've got a sort of um a, a couple of briefish headlines, and then we we'll go to the major talking points. And um, there's a magazine called The Frontline, which has suddenly started sending copies. Um, in an abrupt U-turn, Russia agreed to rejoin a UN-brokered deal to ship millions of tons of Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea. Days after quitting the agreement, it's unclear what sort of guarantees Russia received to change its mind. Mean, uh, meanwhile, new reports from US officials suggest that senior Russian military leaders have held talks on when and how the Kremlin might use a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. Right, so the first thing, um, what, what's happening about this grain deal? Is it back on now? I don't think so. Um, it's, the, it's, the only weapons he's, it's the only weapon he has it's of considerable size. is restricting the grain and forcing the world into hunger to force the, uh, the UN to try and broker a deal. Uh, I'd imagine that restricting the grain is exactly the best weapon he has. Forget nuclear weapons. I don't believe at all that he would, he would stoop to uh, using a tactical nuclear weapon. I really don't believe because that would be the end of it. Uh, um, and I, I, think, uh, I think he'd like to live, live a bit longer to enjoy his money. So uh, it's just the, the grain is the best weapon he's got, to be honest with you. Okay, let's hope you're right with that one. Um, Okay, so it looks like maybe this magazine's a couple of days uh, out of date, although it sent it to me today, uh, which is why I wanted to check whether that grain deal was on. Separately, the White House uh, has accused North Korea of covertly shipping artillery shells to Russia, but insisted the weapons will not change the course of the war. So I, I picked up on North Korea... Um, sending, I don't think uh, it was written up as covertly. It seemed to be quite an open thing. Have you heard anything on that one? Well, I've mentioned before, all countries who, who manufacture arms, which obviously the, the major countries in the world manufacture arms, have to sell them. You can't just keep manufacturing arms. They have to be used. So they're very keen to get involved in any conflict Within uh, in the in the world where there's two parties have two countries having a go at each other, and you'll find the Americans will supply on the one side, and the Russians will be supplying the other. In this case, it's a curious situation. We got North Korea supplying Russia, which is very telling on on the uh, on the, uh, the the state of of Russian weaponry. Very telling indeed. Mm. When you consider uh, since February, what's that? So that's to eight months. Coming on to nine months shortly um, since Russia started, the massive Russian war machine started to mow across Ukraine and didn't get very far. 
Um, It's a a Dunkirk situation, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I I just... Somebody's got to... um, Bang a few heads together here somewhere. It's 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 and it's got to happen from the Russian side. They have to uh, do something there to. I can't see this guy backing down. He lose too much face. I think he's got to be removed. He has to be removed by his own people. Okay, um, the, these are like snippets, but they've come in to me today, and it looks to me like these people are not bang up to date. In Poland, the government began building a new wall along the country's 210-kilometre border with Russian enclave of Kaliningrad. Uh, again, I had seen that one, and uh, that's certainly a, a goer. Um, but then again, that doesn't surprise me because Poland obviously doesn't want stacks of immigrants coming through its borders, which, of course, again, um, they've managed to do um, uh, into into the UK without too many problems. So maybe it's well, another tra- tactic. Well, Poland was, uh, don't forget, it's not that long ago, living memory, but they were the, the punch bag of Europe. They were smashed by, by Nazi Germany and then they were smashed by, by, by the, the, the Russian... Uh, uh, regime, uh, that's, uh, it, it, the communist regime, they've been and held and held under awful conditions uh, until basically um, Lev Felenska, wasn't it, in the Kadansk uh, mm. uh, um, shipbuilding yard strike? Uh, he actually forced um, Russia to recognise that Poland should be uh, an indiv- a unique entity and bring in down the whole of the Russian. Government in, in in the or the Russian state, shall we say? That's what in 1989, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what started that. So that Poland are, are desperate, would be desperate to keep keep their individuality and keep their their their, their independence. And of course, that is the first line of defence for, for the Western Europe. So they're very keen to keep that. And obviously, by uh, fencing off this small Russian enclave, which is a bit of a a weird thing to have. It's a tiny Russian bit of land that sits on the coast within Poland. Um, by fencing that off, you can understand it because otherwise they'll start shipping in all sorts of people into there and let them run right over the uh, over the boundary line. So you can understand. I'm, I'm amazed, really. They're only talking about razor razor wire. I think they need a bit more than that. Okay, the next snippet was Mr. Schultz goes to China. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz headed to Beijing to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping merely days after Xi secured the unprecedented third turn as the Communist Party's leader. The timing of the trip has attracted explicit criticism from other capitals who worry Germany's go-it-alone attitude will entrench dependency on China. The fact that Schultz is joined or was joined by a group of business leaders has further fueled these concerns Again, has that been anything you've read? No, I haven't. But I mean, what happened to the European Union? <laughs> well, uh, you can understand that Russian has, has been as has been seen since February. Uh, we never, nobody ever realised how dependent, uh, sorry, Germany, how dependent it was on on Russian support on gas, power, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and goods. It can very, very too dependent, obviously, on, on Russian uh, stuff. So they're obviously very keen to open up with China, the next, the the, uh, the biggest country, well, the next biggest threat, shall we say, to the world. Uh, very keen to open up with China to get something out of them. Hold if that they can't thought. Go shopping in Russia, then they'll go shopping in China. Yeah, hold that thought because I've got something coming up in about two um, articles. Okay. Uh, so we look at the Prime Minister Mette Frederiksen and her Socialist Party triumphing in Denmark which saw uh, many have seen as a vote of confidence in the incumbent. I am so thrilled and proud, she told supporters. Um, So David McDougall has the five takeaways from the Danish night. In Israel, ex-Prime Minister, I'm not too sure what that meant, actually. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu was gearing up for a return to power, thanks to the support from the far-right parties. when I saw his picture, I thought he'd lost an awful lot of weight. I don't know if you've seen any of his recent pictures. I have. Well, no, he seems all right. He's, he's quite a tall bloke. He's an absolute warmonger. He always has been. He was He was very uh, uh, prominent in the Yom Kippur War of 1973. He was, he was uh, in military action there. That war was a, only lasted about a week or something. He, he, his, his claim to fame comes from there, and he became a, <clears throat> a battling prime minister. 
um, lost his, uh, through a little bit of, uh, apparently a bit of skullduggery and corruption maybe or something, lost his lost his government. But then he, and he's got back in out of uh, uh, complete, well, complete surprise events for everybody. Or it appears he's got back in. He, he seems to have enough of the votes to... Uh, to win the election, the minute to be to be called the uh, the, the the new leader of, of Israel, yeah, and uh, he's he's a he's a very much a hard line. I say the hard liner. They're 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 super right, far right, and right, aren't they? In Israel, there's no there's anything socialist over there. Well, I don't think they can afford to be anything less than that because, quite frankly, no, they he... can't. There's people trying to kill them on every street corner. Yes. Um. So yeah, yeah. I suppose it's the best way. Having somebody hard like that will always bring uh, the other side to the table a bit quicker. Yeah. Okay, so here we go to our first real talking point then. Now, there's even been an update a little bit on uh, this particular article that I picked up. But China is operating dozens of secret police stations in plain view by disguising them as British restaurants, estate agents and other ordinary businesses, a civil liberties watchdog has claimed. A report from human rights organisation Safeguard Defenders warned China was operating more than 50 undeclared police hubs as part of a global network to force dissidents to return to Beijing. The group's researchers outlined the existence of possible sites in London and Glasgow after their addresses were made public by the Chinese security bureaus in Fuzhou and Qingtian, if I've probably uh, been mm. a bit adrift of centre there. The addresses were linked to Chinese restaurants in Scotland and an estate agent and fast food delivery firm in London. All of the businesses involved denied links to the Chinese state or did not comment when contacted by the Times. So we're not looking at Mickey Mouse newspapers here. Um, MPs have called for a Home Office investigation into the allegations, which prompt wider concerns about China's increasingly authoritarian iron fist being used to crack down on protesters living abroad. A spokesman for the China Research Group of MPs said a Chinese government official reportedly admitted the role of these stations in pressuring criminals to return to China. These criminals could be Hong Kongers, Uyghurs, dissidents or anyone who has dared to criticise the Chinese Communist Party. Beijing rejected claims these were secretive uh, police stations and insisted that the outpost were used to deter transnational fraud and provide diplomatic services um, and more uh, for Chinese citizens living abroad. More than 200,000 fraud suspects were persuaded to return to Beijing between April 2021 and July 2022. Two Chinese officials have confirmed. Now, there are elements in this that um, something has been going on uh, because you can see in other places they're talking about this. Um, And I think there was a news item that showed you, I think this was a TV news item, where you saw people outside a Chinese official place in Manchester where the Chinese were actually um, assaulting people who were were protesting, um, but again, you see, <laughs> what... oh, that, yeah, it was the embassy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, wasn't the it? Whichever. Yeah, um, yeah. I well, mean, they dragged, they dragged. Apparently, they dragged a protester. Was at the gates. They dragged him inside and gave him a good idea, in full view of the police. But you see, this is the difference, isn't it, between uh, what's going on in Britain and what even Chinese embassies won't allow to go on. Because uh, realistically, um, if you're just going to come out and tickle the protesters with a feather, as they've been doing with Just Stop Oil, uh, Mm. sooner or later, you've got to make a big decision. And it looks like the Chinese have made that for them fairly quickly. Yeah, but beating up one bloke inside the gate of of the... Of the Chinese consulate stroke embassy, whichever it was, hardly hardly sets an, an image uh, for the for for, for, for for Chinese interference. It, it it's it, it seems a bit balmy, really. I've just it's it, it tantamount to um, the Iranian embassy, wasn't it? No, no, the Libyan embassy, where uh, that PC Fletcher was. Yeah, uh, it's 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 one step behind that having a go at the protesters. I mean, but drag one in and beat him up, uh, in, in literally a yard inside the gate. 
it's, it's not really going to send a message across. Well, it's know, a pity it's, they uh, couldn't get the hands <laughs> on the just stop oil people as well. You know, let, let, let a well, posse let, of them go let, through. Let's let, let's let the Chinese embassy loose on them. Then that might not be a bad idea, would it? <laughs> OK, we'll set a policy issue there. OK, here comes the next one. Okay, I saw this as better news. Change is at last taking place in the controversial arena of caring for Britain's transgender children. The turn of events is so dramatic, it is being hailed by family campaigners as a huge step towards ending what they call a massive medical and social experiment on youngsters who believe they have been born in the wrong body. Uh, Momentously, NHS England, which has a history of listening to the pro-transgender lobby, has just announced plans to stop treating patients with powerful puberty blockers unless they're part of a strictly controlled clinical trial. The plans if implemented, mean the use of these blockers, which pause puberty and are feared to cause irreparable harm, will be radically reduced. The draft guidelines on future treatments, published recently and currently out for six weeks consultation, say that children who believe they are transgender could be going through a phase which they may grow out of as they get older. And it goes on to say doctors are advised in the guidelines not to encourage young patients to change their names and pronouns. Meanwhile, the NHF says its medics will not take clinical responsibility for children or their parents who buy puberty blocking drugs illegally without prescriptions off the Internet or through unregulated foreign clinics and warns they could face knocks on the door from social workers or even the police. Make no mistake about the importance of NHS England's new stance. Thousands of children in this country have been given blockers and other sex change drugs by our health service over the years in what could become the biggest medical scandal of the century. The use of puberty blockers have been curtailed in Sweden, France and several US states, even though President Joe Biden this weekend said baffingly uh, bafflingly, that must be, that children who wished to take them had a right to do so. <clears throat> OK, now it appears Britain is finally beginning to see sense as well. Of course, genuine cases of gender dysphoria exist and require clinical treatment. But I have investigated the effects of puberty blockers over many years and I'm convinced that they do immense and irreversible harm in a worrying number of instances. There are fears that the drugs could endanger fertility, damage the still developing adolescent brain and can blight intimate pleasure in adulthood. In many cases, those who take them opt later to undergo brutal surgery to irretrievably uh, reassign their sex organs. In Paris, a top medical academy blames social media for fueling demands for blockers, particularly among pubescent girls who want to stop their breasts developing, their periods starting and their hips widening uh, as they pursue their aspirations to live as boys. In Stockholm now, uh, there's a bit of information, let me just uh, short this one out. Uh, A leading paediatrician has said the blockers chemically castrate children and can cause mental health problems. A groundbreaking investigation by Sweden's state-run TV channel revealed that 13 of 440 transgender children treated with blockers at the country's Karolinska University um, Identity Development Service had suffered catastrophic injuries. The Tavistock Gender Identity Development Service, this is the... uh, Better News will shut next spring after offering consultations to 20,000 young people since 2009, including 5,000 in the past two years alone. Astonishingly, it emerged last week more than 30 of these children. Okay, it goes to a little bit heavier stuff there. Now, the, the the general thing seems to be that might be settling down a bit. And I don't know about you, Terry, 
um, long and quickly might it uh, stay when it is changed and quickly might it be changed? Oh, uh, absolutely. It's, yeah, yeah, let's face it. Uh, we're not all born boys and girls. We might be born boys and girls physically, but mentally uh, we're not all born, born in to, to match our sexuality. Our, physic- our physical body doesn't always match our sexuality. Uh, it's a it's a very small percentage, but it exists. Now, if somebody's born with a disability, like a, a leg deformed or an arm deformed, God bless them, um, the, the society goes out of its way to give them a normal life. So I can fully understand where the inverted commas do good as close those commas rapidly are coming from when trying to help children uh, decide what sex they really are. Um, uh, I don't think, I mean, with, with hormones raging uh, through teenagers, we've all seen it, we've all been there and all done it. I think until these, until the person's hormones actually settle down, I don't think that decision really can be safely made um, in, in a majority of cases, I would say. I would imagine that many cases uh, um, uh, are, not, uh, are not necessary. And to talk about chemically castrating uh, children. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe laugh when you said that, that they can suffer uh, mental illness and anxiety, but of course they're going to suffer it. Either way, they're, they're probably suffering without it and they're going to suffer even more with it, chemical castration. So it's not the answer. It's certainly not the answer. I certainly think an awful lot of chatting has to be done, a lot of discussion has to be done. But I- um, when you get people declaring that they're, they're not a he or a she, they are a they, a they or whatever pronoun they want to choose of the week, uh, that gets right up my nose. Absolutely. So uh, well, being he or a she it is, and that's the end of it. I'll go to two things. Uh, number one, you know I've banged on about the Chinese and changing the family and all that for a mm. long time. Um, so I, I, I see that this is a lot deeper um, and a lot more uh, devious the way they've done it. And I think... Uh, for me, when uh, Boy George came along, uh, about 82 or something like that, wasn't it? Um, mm. I remember at the time thinking to myself that this has got to just be a passing phase. It can't last. And yet, I don't know if you've noticed, despite Boy George's record of uh, getting involved in all sorts of nasty things, he still keeps coming back as an advert or part of an advert. And it's almost like the TV authorities either have no knowledge of what his past has really been or they want to promote him. Because I've never seen so many with, uh, somebody with so many comebacks. Um, but I do think these things are a little bit more than just, you know, uh, a, a nod and a wink to a blind horse. I think that certain people have got vested interests in trying to upset everybody's apple cart and make life a hope, hopelessly difficult place for everybody, you know? Well, I think uh, Boy George's agent was an incredibly clever person. Um, he recognised the chance to uh, create publicity um, with his uh, with his, uh, his his boy called George. Uh, not even his name. But it, 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 for him to come out uh, in, in his own uniform declaring to the world about opening his mouth um, that he is uh, bisexual, he's gay, I don't care what he is. In other words, he's, he's, he's not straight. Um, well, that's fine. that shut the world up quite a bit, but the world seemed to settle it. And I think I thought it was quite refreshing, to be honest with you. I mean, all, you know, we all looked on it a bit, I don't know what the hell's that. But I looked on it as quite distressing. Yeah, he's had a bit of a, a strange personal life, but a lot of us do. Um, but uh, I'm never going to knock him for that. I'm not going to knock him for that. Um, he's, he's made money out of it. I think that's the real reason for it. Um, but I think it may well have created uh, what we're talking about. It may well have created a, a wave of people thinking, hang on, am I, am I a woman trapped in a bloke's body or am I a bloke trapped in a woman's body? There, I can, obviously, I can, I, can, I can actually do something about that. There's something I've read on the internet, the wonderful internet. And this is where the danger is. It's... Uh, People uh, start taking stuff uh, either off the internet or be badly misdiagnosed um, and end up with chemically castrating 
But doesn't it appear to you uh, that every now and again you get a character, character this one we're talking about, Boy George, yeah. they transgress, uh, think he was involved in even with a murder of, of somebody and, and certainly there was something very not good. Uh, mm. But they always managed to worm the way back into the oh, media. Oh, he went to prison, yeah. He went to prison. Yeah. No, he went, he went to prison for, for assault, basically. Um, I mean, all good rock musicians do, don't they? I think yeah. really one way or another. But it's it's a flamboyant character. I, I wouldn't read anything more into that. I don't think he's, he's a threat to to British morals. I don't think he's going to bring the bring the house down. Uh, he's just a curious case. And when I've listened to him talk on other subjects, it's quite interesting. I mean, if you disregard what he's dressed as, it doesn't make a difference to me. But if disregarding what he's dressed as, you can listen to him have a chat. And he's about to go on. Um, I'm a celebrity, you get me out of here, in the jungle thing, isn't he, on my TV. So you're going to have him on your screens for three weeks. Well, I'm, I'm not because... I, I, about I, what... Uh, oh, no, you should do. No. Because no, these, Terry, things, listen. these things, they'll op- they will open up. Terry... You, you might learn a bit more. Terry, there are certain things I don't need to learn about. There are certain things which I oh, do you know... Do. Knowledge is important. No, knowledge is important, but knowledge of when to turn your blessed TV off is even more important. <laughs> OK, let's go to the next one then. So um, what have we got for you next? Okay, the Foreign Office has issued a travel warning for Spain following political unrest as protesters are breaking out over the uh, country's spiralling cost-of-living crisis. Thousands of Spanish residents have been taking part in protests across the country calling for an increase in wages and pensions in line with inflation. A large demonstration took place in Madrid last week, while pro-independence marches have been taken, as you'd expect, in uh, Barcelona, in which protesters blocked the city's airport and major roads. In updated guidance to its travel advice, the Foreign Office says uh, demonstrations, political gatherings or marches may take place in Spain with little or no warning, particularly in cities. You should follow the advice of police and local authorities. While the vast majority of demonstrations are peaceful, there is a risk of isolated incidents of unrest or, or violence. If you're in and around areas where demonstrations are taking place, remain vigilant and move away quickly if there are signs of disorder. High inflation and some of the lowest wages in Western Europe have left many Spanish holders, householders uh, facing economic hardships in recent months. Protests over soaring costs in the country have mirrored similar demonstrations in France, Belgium and Germany. As families face a difficult winter, Spain's economy also slowed in the last quarter amid fears it's heading for a recession next year. Despite the government insisting that the economy is strong enough to avoid, um, then it goes on to talk about Antonio Perez, General Secretary of the Federation of Independent Workers Union, told Spanish TV, we've seen a huge increase in inflation for the past nine months and nothing has been done. Salaries are frozen and it's crucial to change the situation. Um, People are losing disposable income and it will become more and more difficult to live and pay rent. Now, just before I get your comment, um, there's a comment from somebody in Sheffield uh, exactly, Remainers would have you believe the UK is mired in problems with its economy, but there are many countries around the world that are having similar problems. Idiots like RD500B would have you believe unrest is only happening in Brexit Britain. Yet here's proof it's happening elsewhere. Remainers are blind to problems happening in the oh-so-precious EU. Okay, and to what degree have we got uh, information in the press about these um, big demonstrations, please, Terry? Yeah, it's been, it's been yeah. I thought it was a bit of an error, really, um, to to make a uh, um, a comment to British tourists to basically avoid the capitals of of the capitals, the the capitals of the provinces of Spain, i.e., Barcelona, Madrid, etc., the big cities, um, because they uh, Barcelona especially uh, and Madrid tend to have quite uh, big demonstrations on a variety of causes. Now, unfortunately, um, inflation is running about 1% less than it is in the UK. 
um, which basically in Europe inflation in Europe is 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 just the same as the UK and virtually anywhere else for that matter, which means everything you're buying is now around about ten percent dearer than it was last year, or even even last month in some cases. With the um, electricity banging up like it has been and will probably keep doing so, um, um, you've only got a fixed income, you know, as Mr. McCorber once said. You know, you basically you've got to keep your, uh, your your income income greater than your expenditure makes happiness. If your expenditure is greater than your income, that is unhappiness. Yeah. And so the whole of, of the world basically, there's hardly anybody's going to miss this one. Is going to be hit with a tidal wave of uh, sadness, disappointment, and somehow we've all got to accept that our lights may go off in as much because you can't pay the bill. Um, if you your wage is your wage. And you've got your rent or your mortgage to pay. You've got your food to pay for, like everybody else. That's fair enough. But then all of a sudden, you know, this thing called inflation starts whacking up the price of the goods that you buy to keep you alive and cheerful. And uh, then your electricity, my electricity has doubled in the last few months. Electricity starts banging up, etc., uh, etc. Et There's a knock-on from that. Where if electricity goes up, anything that uses electricity in the manufacturing world is going to pass on that increased um, to the uh, us Joe public which means Mr. C- Mr. McCorber is going to be in for a bad time because we're all going to be there won't be any money in your pocket and sadly uh, it's going to come to the case where people know won't be able to put a light bulb on won't be able to eat won't be able to buy a, a new pair of shoes and that can cause disruption on the streets and quite often it does in Spain. They like to have a good demonstration in Spain. Mainly it's politically driven from the left or from the right, whichever. They love, love to have a go. Because we've got a coalition, it's going to come from every angle. So, yeah, I can understand it's going to happen. I don't think it was a good idea putting out something telling tourists not to go to uh, Spanish cities in case, or go to Spanish cities, but keep away, uh, do a stage left the minute you see any sort of demonstration appearing on the horizon. Uh, don't get involved because you may be targeted as a, a rich tourist who needs muggy. Yeah. That basically is the message they're getting across. That's not good for Spanish tourism or anywhere else for that matter. But these protests uh, are going to happen all over the world. Um, I can quite understand them happening perhaps more in Spain because uh, the, the nature of the, the Spanish people, they, they they will take to a street and have a, have a, have a, have a, have a shout and a row. Right. Uh, has been shown in Madrid and Barcelona in the past. So um, watch this space. It's not good, Vince. It's not good times at all. All right, Terry. Here's the next one. OK, so this is a story about Valencia and the council said on Monday that some 7,000 solar panels will be installed across the roofs of all the cemeteries in the city. The councillor for cemeteries, Alejandro Ramon, told the paper El Diario that the installation was part of the city's roadmap towards a greener and more self-sustaining environment. Valencia, which was the European green city for 2024, uh, so it will be, uh, will begin installing the solar panels in November. The installations will generate around 2,800 megawatts and will be used by the council, but also help those in dire financial circumstances. The cost of the initial solar park is said to be around... 3 million with possible further installations on other council property in the near future. The council is due to receive 600,000 euros as a grant from the European Union following its appointment as the bloc's green city. The expectation being that that, um, following its appointment uh, then it will be directed into further clean energy generation. The news that Valencia cemeteries are to be turned into Spain's largest urban solar park will be widely welcomed with residents hoping that the scheme is widened to provide benefit for all residents. Had you seen that one? No. <laughs> no, but I'm a bit of a chuckle to myself when you mentioned that the cemetery is going to be turned into solar parks. Well, I mean, the, the, the actual residents of the cemetery won't be using it, so um, yeah. it'll yeah. be free for everybody. Yeah, you need to... There's enough buildings to put solar panels on. You don't have to start covering a cemetery with it, for God's sake. Cemeteries aren't, you know... Uh, I'm really. If, if you've got solar panels, then you've got shade. 
you're creating shade and it's not going to make a nice atmosphere in the cemetery. Because in Spain, the bodies are buried above ground, not below ground. They're in, 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 in concrete tombs stuck four high, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I, I really, that is unbelievable statement to make, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I had to have a chuckle when you said that they're going to receive 600,000 euros from, uh, from the, the European purse because of, uh, their, their green status. So that's 600,000 euros is going to go on umpteen and leggy, uh, restaurant bills, photo shots, uh, dances and things yes. run by the town hall. I promise you that much now, because that is, unfortunately, that is staple. There's, there's the two town halls next to our town hall and the, the town hall next to us in Altair. There's hardly a day goes by where, they, oh, they have, they both have uh, like daily, uh, uh, magazines sort of published, or weekly magazines published, but there's there, there, there's not a day goes by where there's a photo opportunity met by the incumbent mayor, whichever they are, <clears throat> they they have to get their photo in in these papers at all times, doing everything, and then the amount of time and money spent at dinners and drinking wine and, and eating stuff in your faces and in the name of of whatever cause they think they're doing it for, is is abhorrent to me. Apart from the fact that Spain's got the, the the, the largest amount of civil servants in, 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 in Europe, if not the bloody world. <laughs> uh, they have, and you and I have to pay for it. Um, Calpi had the worst, the little town of Calpi up the, on the coast between yeah. you and I. Yeah. They had the worst in the whole of Spain. They had the, they had the, the highest ratio of civil servants to, to population in the whole of Spain. Uh, they're just huge, for those listening, I don't know, a town hall is a huge pyramid of bodies. Um, the guy at the top might be the mayor and he might change with an election but the rest of them stay where they are and invariably they're all families uh, and long had their jobs and their jobs are handed down to other members of their family when they retire or whatever uh, and they keep a power base and this, it's enormous and they, they retire and fantastic pensions etc etc it's an extremely expensive thing that we can't afford and I've always said where we are, there's there's a 12 town halls I can throw a cap at from where I'm sitting at, 12 villages with town, town halls. Yeah. One would cover it quite nicely. OK, one here's the next one. It. Back to the UK for this one, and the implications are horrifying. We know now a foreign power hacked the personal mobile phone of the talkative Liz Truss. The severity of this security breach can hardly be overstated. And as a former Prime Minister, ex-Foreign Secretary and ex-International Trade Secretary, Miss Truss was the chief custodian of our national security secrets and the recipients of invaluable MI6 intelligence. We need an immediate judicial inquiry led by a High Court judge to establish how this happened, who was responsible and precisely what information was compromised. Trust was in charge of delivering national security, uh, the most sacred duty of any government, the most likely culprits, the Russians, although we can't discount China, Iran, North Korea or conceivably Israel, which has invested vast sums for electronic surveillance. Analysts at GCHQ are trying to work out who hacked her and how much damage has been done. I suspect the Kremlin, not just because Britain and especially under Boris, has been such an influential city to uh, be an ally to Ukraine, but because of the way Liz Truss was treated in Moscow last February when she met uh, the Russian Foreign Secretary, Sergei Lavrov. Right. Um, Talkative MPs on... Uh, phones that can be hacked. You've got to have an opinion on that one. Well, I've sacked the MI5 and MI6, to be honest with you. <laughs> the whole idea of, the, of the, again, of thousands of people uh, paid a fortune to keep the country safe. And the simple thing of somebody hacking a phone of the most prominent person in the government, and, and then you question how many others, of course. Uh, how the hell can that happen? It's not without having an inquiry. <laughs> Just sack them. The complete, it, it's just so worrying. You're talking about the person who, who's uh, got access to that n- nuclear briefcase, you know? This is, this is disgusting. It's, uh, it's been in the news recently, and, but it's really been played down, and they're too busy playing other things, you know, like Partygate and things like that, more important things in life in Britain. But it's, that, that should really be um, blasted and belted and, and dug out. And what the hell are they being paid for? The question is now, Vince, you seriously have to ask yourself in Britain, how safe are you? 
Well, you're not, obviously. Well, I, I, look, I have to be honest, I don't think it's just Britain, because I think, quite honestly, you've got all these satellites going over, uh, they can do what they like when they like, there's no real stopping them. Um, so, OK, if there's people like us who basically just chat about these things, it's not too much of a problem. But for those people that carry the burden of looking after the the countries, um, you'd think that they would have layers upon layers to make sure whatever that telephone conversation was doesn't escape to another place to be listened to. So, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. It, it, it just can't happen. It cannot happen at a person or personages of, of, of that much power. That sort of thing cannot, be, cannot happen. And the fact that it has happened... I'm not joking. If, as far as I'm concerned, you sacked a lot of them. The whole of the, 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 the security service, from top to bottom, aren't worth a, a toss. Not at all. <laughs> they've failed in the very first thing that they've, that they're, that they've promised to, to protect. It's awful. I just think standards of virtually everything now are, are up for grabs. And uh, I'm going to go back to something we talked about last week here. Uh, this okay. is our next one. Okay, millions of drivers next, potentially put at risk during a terrifying near national outage of life-saving technology on smart motorways. The system controlling hundreds of miles of the controversial carriageways had to be rebooted following a glitch that meant it was out of action for seven hours, including the evening rush hour. Nearly three quarters of the entire smart motorway system was affected, with National Highways Control Room staff unable to activate signs supposed to warn drivers within seconds, 20 seconds, of a vehicle breaking down in a live lane. The meltdown on Wednesday is thought to be one of the largest and longest on the carriageways. It meant any stricken drivers would have become sitting ducks on the all-lane running uh, roads. Millions of motorists used the roads during the blackout, unaware that they were driving on potential death traps. And a whistleblower last night warned of more nas- nationwide outrages uh, to come because of the issue uh, not being fully resolved. It will pile pressure on Rishi Sunak to deliver on the pledge he made to scrap smart motorways during the Tory leadership race in the summer. It will also be a major test for new Transport Secretary Mark Harper. And uh, I'm not going to harp, but at the same time, uh, I do go back to what I said last week. My um, My reservation was that you only need something like this and nobody will take really the responsibility because, quite frankly, uh, nobody, I think, can. Uh, and if the uh, troubles that we've got with um, people stopping the electricity and all this sort of stuff, uh, it, it's not going to be something that I want to be anywhere near. Uh, but you didn't think that. You thought the other way, didn't you? Well, the, the, it's simply this, Vince. Uh, what we're talking about is your safety on a motorway, uh, relying on... Uh, on, uh, on, on, on uh, on a technical service, which is presumably supplied, powered by electricity. And then you have to question, has it got any backup if electric fails? But And I quite agree that the idea of, of these so-called smart motorways is abhorrent. We, every road in Spain has got a hard shoulder. Every road in Spain has got a hard shoulder, which you do not get in, in the UK. You've got the hard shoulder in the UK is full of bloody pavement and people standing on it. But every road in Spain's got a hard shoulder unless you're in a town. But it, it's so you've got somewhere to pull off to get out of the way. Uh, um, and the, these uh, so-called smart motorways do not have that. They they did have it, but they're using what was the hard shoulder as an extra lane. Um, and of course, if your car suddenly breaks down, loses all power. Uh, I mean, irrespective of what lane you're in, even if you're in the inside lane now, the 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 hard shoulder lane as well. So you, you, you come to a grinding halt and you're hoping that everybody behind you can see you. You can't always make it to the next little little pulling because they say there's there's a pulling every few hundred yards or something. You can't always make it that way. It's, it's not always possible. Sometimes it just goes dead. Uh, now you've got everybody coming up behind just smashing into you. But the same thing would apply if you were in the middle lane or the, or the, or the fast lane, toodling along, all of a sudden your car goes dead. 
you've then got to cut across the other lanes, try and find a hard shoulder if there was one. So it's quite possible that you would end up in an accident. And, of course, the other thing is every time you get take a plane journey, you're relying on technology. You're relying on everything working, uh, not just the bloke who's up front piloting it. Yeah, so but... we, are, we are all reliant maybe a bit too much on technology. Oh, with, without a doubt for me. Uh, I think this is where we're all going wrong because, uh, you know, if we're going to give up our sense of looking and learning and checking and all the things that we've done over the years, um, in fact, I can really... I'll, I'll link this into a little article which I was going to talk about and then I wasn't too sure. Um, this is about old people who call work meetings on a Friday afternoon, expect staff to make calls as part of their job and make random noises over Zoom and have been put on notice by Generation Z. The incoming generation claim the workplace behaviours give them the ick whoever wrote this, it's not the English I've learned, um, as do messages longer than one sentence and being given a Dell laptop to use on the job. Known as the Zoomers, the newly minted members of the professional workforce prefer to post their frustrations about their life on TikTok where they can garner sympathy and likes. I mean, this is the nonsense of what's going on. I do remember uh, when all this number of likes to approve the work that you do came in and I I um, say again, there's a big difference between me leaning over and pressing to make the the digital thing roll over and make one more uh, like for whatever it is that you're doing and Mm. somebody getting off their backside and going and doing what they should be doing, which is meeting people face to face and, and talking about whatever concerns. I mean, even the way that's written, um, you know, the, the Zoomers and Generation Z. What the hell uh, are these journalists doing? I, I have a feeling these aren't journalists. I think this is automatic uh, intelligence, um, which uh, the computers, in other words, um, who are writing a lot of this uh, rubbish because I think what it is, uh, as we all know, we go to write a message and uh, we're, we're being corrected by the machinery uh, predicting our text. And when we correct it, uh, hopefully it's getting better. Um, I I just don't see much really old-style, well-written journalism that I can relate to at the moment. I'm firmly convinced, uh, 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 from the last couple of years of looking at what's going on, uh, that journalism died a number of years ago. what you're looking at now on the TV is, is a separate uh, news uh, broadcast, which get longer and longer. You get like an hour and a half of news or something. Yeah. And uh, the whole thing uh, is based on, um, as far as I'm concerned, creating news. Now, that's much reported as creating. Yeah. Um, they're creating news uh, as um, it was basically brought down Boris Johnson without, without the, the, the media and, 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 the, and the hype that the BBC pumped into, into the airways. Boris Johnson would still be the Prime Minister now. We might be in a better position. But it was, and it's not just them. It's, it's, once that's gone, they're on to the next one. They're on to Liz Truss, quite rightly in, in my eye. Now she's gone. Now they're on to Richie Sunak. And now they're on to uh, Sue, Sue Braverman. Yeah. Sue Ella Braverman. Uh, they won't stop. They, they, they have to have, um, have to create these crises to keep you, you glued to their television uh, reports. And they are creating... They are creating news. They no longer report it. They make the bloody stuff. It's just the, the newspaper's been doing it for years. You know, the, the Daily Star. Was it Daily Star? Famous headline, front yeah. page. Lorry found on moon. Yes. You know? It, 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 that's, what, it, that's sort of crap. Somebody's being paid to write. But the problem, so really, me, Terry... Don't tell me they're journalists, will you? The, t- the trouble, Terry, is you and I can see it very quickly. Yeah. A lot of these people do not understand the difference between crap uh, and well-written journalism. Um, yeah. You mentioned the Home Secretary. Let's stay with this because okay. I picked this up at the beginning of the week and it's developed so we can develop our ideas. A hotel yeah. in East Yorkshire has been told it can no longer house asylum seekers. After a council was successful in securing an interim High Court injunction. East Riding of Yorkshire Council today confirmed, that was the day it was written, confirmed that it had gone to the High Court to prevent the Hull Humber View Hotel in North Ferriby from being used for asylum seekers temporarily. 
the October the 28th injunction, which was seen by the BBC and is attached to the front of the hotel, suspends any asylum seekers from staying there until a November the 7th hearing. The injunction also goes as far to prevent any other hotels in the East Riding of Yorkshire from being used to host asylum seekers. The hotel, which has 95 rooms, a gym and a helipad, has come under enormous scrutiny in recent weeks, including from former Cabinet Minister and constituency MP David Davis, who branded it entirely the wrong location for this kind of accommodation. Well, the the problem for me is I don't feel that any asylum seekers should be in any hotels per se. I just feel it's wrong, sending the wrong message. You're you're telling people in other parts of the world, come across and join in the soft touch brigade because basically um, we don't have any other ideas of how to handle this. So um, what are your thoughts? Well, well, I agree with you. They shouldn't shouldn't be in hotels, but you've got a problem with that, Vince. Where are you going to put them? Well, what, what you should do for me, I think we should have a navy which keeps... What it's supposed to be doing, keeping Britain uh, ruling the waves, if you like, certainly Mm. between France and the UK. If they can't get hold of the boats and turn them back and give France the problem that they're letting come over to the UK, they're never going to stop this. And I'm really, really so surprised that an island cannot find it in its armoury to send the the Navy with small boats to make them all turn round. I'm amazed. But they're not allowed to do that, Vince. You, you can only do that in your own waters. And once they're in your waters, they and under the, the United Nations, they then become your responsibility to take them in, not to send them back. Okay, so I who... agree with you entirely. Everyone would love to see that happen. I don't think there's, there's apart from a few Lord Longfibber, he's gone, apart from a few do-gooders and the rest of it, everyone would like to see these people sent back. I have every... Uh, sorrow that some genuine, very few genuine uh, uh, asylum seekers are, are having to resort to this. Uh, but when they've come across, I don't know how many different countries, to, 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 to risk their lives in the rubber dinghy to get to Britain, is beyond me. That is completely, uh, completely beyond me why they should do that. When they can, they can apply for asylum in France. The difference is if you apply for asylum in the UK, you've got something like an 80% chance of being accepted. If you apply for asylum in France, that reduces to 30%. There is the difference. Well, I, so I was told by a Tory councillor I was talking with this week on another podcast, and apparently the social security system in France is actually quite good. So I wonder... Is it not good enough, though, Vince, is it? Well, I'm wondering, because most why of... People, why would people risk their lives on a rubber dinghy and their children and the rest of it, and people are dying to do that. Um, but the other point is, well, how come 1% of the male population of Albania has now arrived in Britain on a rubber dinghy? Mm. That's more 1%. to the point. 1%? Well, that's, <laughs> that's more to the point, isn't it, that you've got uh, all these young men. They don't seem to be families that really yeah. um, are what we see. But, but you've got to think then, so what is the reason why people are risking their lives to get to the UK, because if 1% of, 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 of Albanian males have risked their lives to get to England, there must be something I'm missing here somewhere. There must be a, an ulterior motive, an ulterior benefit that I can't see, or can I? Well, I, I see angle. it. Well, we started off, you just said you, you, you're against them being put into uh, uh, hotels. I agree, and I said, well, where are you going to put them? That is the problem. So all of a sudden, the bottom line is, once they get to the UK, they they are then uh, looked after by our cherished national health and everything else. But they're looked after by a government that if I turned up tomorrow at Gatwick Airport and said, look, I'm destitute, I've got no money, I'm British citizen, waved my passport, you're going to have to help me. Nothing's going to happen, Vince. I will be completely and utterly ignored because a friend of mine tried that and exactly what happened to him. I will be completely ignored. Uh, it is wrong. It is biased. It is some reason. Uh, I can fully understand the principle of it, Vince. I'm not against that. I'm not against that. Pure uh, battle, battle born and, and, and people living in, in, in horrific conditions need a chance at a life in another country. But for God's sake, don't jump over six garden fences before you get to my house. 
what's that about? Well, you, you, know, you can't. It's, ex- it's out of order. You can't really expect all of us to carry um, the papers to get into a country and then believe that the way this is being handled is not contrived because there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger yeah. picture. There's money behind him. It's all the money. This is the money. Follow the money, that five-letter word. OK, I think uh, as we come into the last couple of minutes now, we'll go to something which might be a bit lighter, but we'll see what happens as uh, we look at something to do with um, the new king. Okay, so the king now, Charles III, enjoying his brief commuter by car up the mall. Uh, Let's just preface this by by saying that, to the best of my awareness, you are a royalist. To the best of my own uh, awareness, I am not really a royalist, but I am not anti-royal, shall we say. So there he is. He's waving to the crowds to uh, go from Buckingham Palace from Clarence House. But he expects his staff to walk or to cycle there. So um, he was not, uh, he was on TV, I don't know if you saw it, not everyone is an academic, he said, Mm. calling on TV's The Repair Shop for more vocational training, indeed so. Yet after failing to get three A-levels, despite the best education money and influence could buy, he ended up in Cambridge and not on a bricklaying course. Good point. Cycling is supported through a cycle-to-work scheme and the provision of shower and changing facilities, says a palace briefing. A former senior member of staff tells me he used to park his vehicle some away from Clarence House and complete his commute on foot so as not to upset his master. Okay, it's basically... um, Why is it that Charles has got to go by car but everybody's... All of his staff have to walk or go on bikes. Um, he's right with the vocational training, but then again, it, that the same message was being put about in the 80s when I was at the college, so that's nothing new. He's not really come up with any new idea. Um, it was just basically that uh, they've not really been able to get it right yet. So, two well, things there. Uh, first of all, um, do you think the king could walk up and show a little bit of leadership? Well, I think in the, world's, in the words of Mel Brooks, it's good to be the king. <laughs> that was a great film, The History of the World. Did you ever see that one? No. History I, of the World. I know Mel where Brooks, you're coming he, from, yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. He, it was, he played the character in that. It was King Louis, I think, he was playing. Yeah. And they called King Louis got up to everything you can think of, because thoroughly enjoyed himself. And he kept turning around to the, to the camera every now and then saying, it's good to be the king. Uh, I think this is a case it is good to be the king. Um, having said that, I can't really expect the, 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 the king of... Of, of Great Britain to uh, uh, to 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 walk everywhere, and uh, you'd have to have a massive entourage around him. And there's enough idiots in this world who would like to take a, hop, uh, a shot at him if he's only with an egg. Uh, so I can understand why he will travel, um, but to expect his uh, his workers to do the same for obviously different reasons is a little bit strange. A little bit strange. I think if it was a voluntary thing, then fair enough. But yeah. uh, I think that's a little bit wild, to be, the, be say the least. OK, um, we're not going to discuss this because we won't have time, but I will tell you that Miranda Dixon, a 48-year-old, got a front door for her Georgian home professionally painted last year as part of a renovation in Edinburgh's new town, a World Heritage Conservation Site. Uh, it was inherited, uh, inherited by Ms Dixon in 2019 from her parents, but the planners of the city of Edinburgh have objected to the new colour of the door and are now insisting it's... It is painted, uh, painted in white gloss. So um, I've got to, yeah, I was going to say it, it is actually nice when you see things which are uniform and um, give give a bit of class to a place, doesn't it? You do. I agree. The the the, the, the town all made the right decision. Yeah. Okay. Let me play the um, the music and uh, tell us that we've come to the end of another hour. Uh, a very sad piece of news in Lanuthia, which is where I used to live. Apparently a young lad, I think that the age was about 12, dropped dead in the street yesterday. Um, I don't know if you... Oh, there was two There was two lads. Wow. Well, OK. Um, but uh, I'm, 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 I'm just talking to me, me, um, me, uh, me, me, one of my welding guys this morning. 
You mentioned about two, two, two teenagers who dropped it. I was asking, why, what, how, drugs, whatever, yeah. it doesn't know. No, it, 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 no hint of anything sinister, Nothing apart yet, from no, the fact no. that it was a horrible thing for anybody's have to undergo. Um, Terry, I'll say thank you very much indeed, and mm. uh, enjoy the rest of your week. I will do, it's work day tomorrow. Ah, <laughs> lovely, OK. Well, I'll enjoy Saturday instead. Look, look forward to our chat next week. Igualmente, señor, gracias. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry.